You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Amna Esker. Amna, thanks so much for being with me today. Uh, thanks for having me. Amna, today we're talking about, um, I think it's your third solo show at, uh, at the gallery, Klaus von Dixingen Gallery, and... Um, it's called A Meadow in the Clouds, uh, running until February 11th. We're talking on January 12th. I saw the show last week, and it was a, a beautiful show that, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to you more about. So I guess to begin with, that, that title, A Meadow in the Clouds, which sounds like the most wonderful place in the world, uh, can you tell me a little bit about that title? It's, it's certainly kind of a place I'd love to be for some reason. Yeah. Um... Actually, my daughter, she's four, she came up with the title. And um, we were just talking about how our day was. She asked me how studio was. And she started talking to me about the paintings. And she said, it's like a meadow in the clouds. And so I, like, <laughs> I quickly took out my phone and wrote it down as a possible title for either a piece or for a show at some point. I tend to do that if I hear something I like. I have to jot it down. Um, but, you know, it spoke a lot to what I was doing. She hadn't seen uh, the square piece that is titled A Meadow on the Clouds, but it just seemed to be perfect. I mean, she just laid it out right in front of me. So it's just in relationship to skyscapes and landscapes that I've been making in the studio. And so, yeah, that's where the title came from. I love that, you know, and that, that makes sense. It's so amazing sometimes what the children say and and how they can be right on. I mean, that's you know, as much as I've been doing these interviews for a long time, that's not what would jump to me, right? If I'm looking at someone's work or in your studio, I wouldn't say, that's like a meadow in the clouds. You know, there's something kind of at once that reads perfectly, that makes sense. But there's also a kind of, uh, I don't know, it's a different kind of engagement with the art, right, that, that a child has because adults don't see things that way. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or do they? I don't know. That, 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 that's my take. That if someone's in your studio, another artist, a curator, somebody like that, um, words like that wouldn't jump in their mouth, you know, yet it's, it's kind of perfect, but it's a way of seeing too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's great. I just, I thought it was so insightful and um, it just was so like right on the nose. So I was like, oh yeah, like I hadn't even thought of that but a meadow in the clouds. But, you know, I had done pieces like high in the sky, like some things that you've heard before that, you know, you know, my familiar language I wanted to put into the works, but yeah, it just worked. Oh, so that's interesting. So she's also riffing on previous titles that you've had, the way you're, because she's accustomed to how you're, you're seeing in a sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't know previous titles. She doesn't know, but you know, she was like, Oh, it's like, you know, mommy, you paint so many skies, and, and she's like, it's like a meadow in the clouds. I don't know if she where she heard that, but <laughs> I love that. So let's talk about the works in the show. It's um, a beautiful set of works that, that, in some ways, are all quite different, and it could be talked about as uh, as works that are in the clouds. There's a predominant amount of clouds there, but but not all. There's um, coming in. There's a it's a huge landscape and uh, 84 by 120 and it's called Find a Home and that's from uh, just last year. Let's mm-hmm. talk about this one first because this at once 
is is different from the rest. It's in, in that it's. Um, I mean, the rest I guess could be. We could see them all as as landscapes, but but this one um, has some unusual elements in it. In that you know, for one, it is it does look like a, a traditional landscape, um, but also it's um it's the largest piece and. It's unlike the rest. It has um, we can feel grounded in this piece. We know what we're looking at. The rest mm-hmm. are, are are quite different in some ways. I mean, I mean, perhaps not so different, but but this does seem to me to be, and perhaps for you, one of the more the kind of I don't know bigger or more signature pieces of the show because it's so large and and the mm-hmm. title is so evocative. Find a home. Can you tell me a little bit about this and its relationship to the other paintings? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It is grounded. It is more of a, a perspective or a view that, you know, is much more like in relationship to the body. Um, and it is, you know, it, it sort of seems like a place where I can finally bring many things together and you can see several elements happening together, whereas in the skyscapes I try to make things seem um, have a more seamless relationship when they come in from different references. But in this one, you can kind of see um, um, I am referencing like so many things and sort of trying to stitch them together to create fake landscapes, which I'm doing in the skies. But in this one, it doesn't feel so seamless. There are parts that sort of jut out or seem much more animated and cartoon-like. But also you have like the pine trees in the back that seem much more you know, realistic or natural. Um, I'm pulling them from references of uh, Bollywood film stills of, um, you know, their dreamscapes when they, you know, when the man and woman fall in love, they are all of a sudden in Switzerland rolling in the hills because that's their dreamscape. And um, as the camera is panning in these old movies and I'm taking screenshots on my laptop, you also get like a vibration in the image. And so in this painting in the background, you'll see like things painted sort of twice in different tones. And it, um, it's not only a way for like your eye to sort of vibrate for a second, but it's actually what's happening as you're viewing it on a computer. Um, but I've also got like uh, references from some cartoons from Orientalist photography that I was looking at all the way down to things that I consider more mundane for me, um, which are like the studio uh, parking lot. That's where the foreground is from. And also like uh, the pediatrician's office, like each room has these giant like mural-like printouts. And I've always been very interested in landscapes in cartoons. So that's what's happening in this painting. I like that. There's so many different references there, right? The the Bollywood films, which you know, I I don't know, but of course that that makes perfect sense. And um, but but also you're talking about you know Orientalist Orientalist photography um, that you're looking at that was written about in the press release as well by by Western commercial photographers. Um, mm-hmm. Why the interest in that? Because these all tie together, right? There's these kind of Orientalist Orientalist photography, um, as well as you know these kind of um, you know Middle Eastern and, and, and Asian staged images, uh, and and Bollywood, they're all they're all revolving around kind of non-Western 
points of view seen by a Westerner. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I've always been interested um, in sort of that dichotomy between the East and West. And I was looking at a lot of animation and cartoons, a lot of Disney too. Um, and looking at sort of my first experiences with Orientalism, but also like, you know, in this day and age, I think it's much more complicated and complex than just like an East-West thing. Like I also play into both sides. Like I don't feel very one-sided. I don't feel as like, I don't always only feel victimized. I also play into the stereotypes. I also, you know, the way I have sort of absorbed that information at a young age, that I am on both sides of that. Um, So for me, like I was looking at cartoon and I was never very interested in the figurative. I always thought the landscapes were much much more interesting to look at. And so like in in the studio, I would just sort of like, you know, Photoshop them out and try to like look at landscape and figure out what was happening in the background. And <clears throat> early on, I'd always wanted to make large landscape paintings to be like, okay, let's set the stage. Let's literally set the stage to then have the conversation that I want to have in painting. And I, I was never able to do it until now. I could never figure out the right way to do it. And I feel like it's finally happening. But for me, Orientalist photography was so interesting because it's like, you know, when I was first introduced to Edward Said's writings and his book on Orientalism, like, um, I was reading a lot about Napoleon Bonaparte traveling down to Egypt with, like, an army of people, I think in the late 18, was it 80s or 90s? And he basically studied Egypt as, like, a scientific thing, you know, recordings, documenting, and... I found Orientalist photography to be similar to that. You know, 1839 is the first time, you know, a camera came to India and started documenting just the British Empire. But then slowly and slowly they started taking photographs of the people. But that is also a very controlled narrative. And I thought, you know, what is the point of having a photography studio with these backdrops? Why not just take these figures outside in the actual place that they're in? So a lot of it became about design, you know, who was the world designed for and who was it designed by? Like, those are things that I was thinking about. And so um, when I started making these larger landscapes, I did another one uh, last year or the year before. It really was this idea of a backdrop. Like, it's just this thing that's been made. It's not an accurate representation. It's not necessarily real but it is also the arena in which people are presented in front of. And I thought that was really interesting. So that's sort of like the initial interest in these paintings, the large scale. That is so interesting. Um, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you went into that. To, to talk about another one, which is the namesake of the show, A Meadow in the Clouds. This mm. is another large painting, like six by six feet. And uh, in some ways, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard not to see it as anything now, but A Meadow in the Clouds. Yet, yet the background here is is something quite different than clouds. There are clouds there, but it also looks like there could be lightning or something. Um, this is this is one of the more initially enigmatic paintings to me. It's it's kind of focusing our attention on something specific. These these uh, this kind of landscape in front of us, but the background then isn't as grounded as 
of the landscape. And this is all uh, in airbrush. Is that correct? You're using airbrush to paint all of these? Yeah. 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 Most of them are airbrush. I think there's just one small painting um, with two screen printed images in it. But yeah, this is all airbrush. And I like, you know, the previous show I had done at Klaus, actually, I did a show called Portals. And so, you know, we consider paintings to be portals and what happens when you have portals within portals. Like, you know, you just take it like few steps further, opening up these sort of like ruptures of different places. And that had started with um, when I when I was pregnant and you go to the OB office, they put these like light filters above you and they are of like, like a tropical island or, you know, skyscapes a lot of the time to to sort of like have you escape the situation you're in. You know, it's like a very mm-hmm. sterile, uncomfortable situation, but they put these like... <laughs> these really weird like filters over you. And so that was, and so that those have become like these portals. And I was thinking about, you know, you know, a mother's body as a portal to bringing life into the world. And um, I don't know, it was all somehow sort of connected. So I've always been interested in having this sort of like moment in the painting where something else is happening in a very, I don't know, sort of Ed Ruscha way where like he'll have the landscape, but then he'll have the text very like frontal, um, so that's what I was like thinking about with these, but I feel like these will continue in the painting. So like the large landscapes are very, I don't know, in a way feel like it's one picture plane, but the portal paintings like have like a sort of disruption where you have to like, yeah, they sit together physically, but you know, visually you have to believe that there's, you know, two separate things happening. Um, but yeah, these guys, this, the combination of skies in this painting are all from like iPhone photos um, where I live, road trips, places I've been just capturing like a really good moment after a storm or something. Um, you mean like the like, background of a meadow in the clouds is actually from an iPhone, yeah. iPhone photo yeah. that you then painted. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'll like sit in Photoshop and get it to sit in a way that I'm comfortable with or that I like. And, and then I go in and I execute it from there. I like that. That's so interesting as portals and makes so much sense because, right, art is a portal. Um, and, and like you said, the Ed Ruscha, you know, uh, you know, those bring to mind like David, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a number of people that um, I was thinking of David Ronarovich who also had these kind of little portals that were almost like, like the way uh, a comic would do it where in a graphic novel where you see these little drawn out circles that are mm-hmm. emphasizing parts of it. Yeah. That's such an interesting, totally. um, representing the, the, the next one is, um, coronation. And this one really seems, you know, different than the rest. I mean, they're all interestingly, like so different, uh, in, in terms of like the subject and how, and how the whole thing is approached. Now coronation is is a sky in the background it's clouds uh but then there are these two images that you can come up close to and see quite a lot of detail in um that, that both look like um as you said they were screen printed but they these these are very specific images right this is the one that to me feels most narrative those two pictures even look like they relate to each other uh this mm-hmm. woman's holding her hands in the air and then there's this procession moving towards her uh, as if there's some kind of heavenly uh, process, ascension happening here. Um, but coronation, of course, is kind of like like the queen as well. So 
it seems like that, but 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 yeah, really enigmatic because it's so it's so different than the rest, right? Uh, yeah, I um, I will say I had a lot of fun making this one. I um, the the texture on the surface is sort of um, like mimicking like a thicker fabric or like a linen, just by the way that it's been uh, prepped, uh, like how it's been gessoed, but. Yeah, I feel like this painting is different than the others because you're getting fed a little bit more information. I feel like as a viewer, like, you're getting a little bit more than landscape. And, um, yeah, just along the lines of, you know, that Ed Ruscha conversation of just, like, having landscape and then having something else on top of it. I, uh, I started, you know, when the pandemic happened... Uh, just politically here in America, like I just wanted things to get quieter. So I, I, I turned to landscape. And in that, I got scared because it got real quiet, like like a little too quiet um, for painting. And so as I started watching dramas, <laughs> a lot of Netflix, mm. uh, I noticed like, I, I, like there's so much about the cinematic that I enjoy. Um, and like the panoramic is really beautiful. And I, you know, I wanted to include those things in, like, a quieter way, like having my references come in, things that I'm looking at to come into the painting, um, and seeing similarities between different images that have nothing to do with each other initially. And so the images that you're seeing here are, on the left, there is Rekha, who is a Bollywood um, actress. Um, from India, she's been acting since like I think like the sixties. Um, and this was a movie, a very famous movie called Umrao John. I think it came out in nineteen eighty one. But the way her hands are held over her head, I feel like are very powerful in her dance. And at the same time, I was still researching, you know, Napoleon shit. And you know, his coronation. This is the image on the right is the coronation of Napoleon, and it's a painting by David and. He is supposed to be crowned, but he, at the last minute, takes the crown himself and crowns himself. Um, and there's just some similarity to the things that I think happen politically in the U.S. now that was very similar to him. Um, he didn't seem like a very kind figure. He seemed, you know, very self-absorbed in the way that I read about him. Um, but I thought, like, oh, my God, like, his pose is just from a different side, but the same as Rekha's image. And putting those two together, what happens? Like, previously, like, I've always been interested in making um, several paneled paintings and putting them together. Like, if you could fold out a magazine and you could lay it out, like a layout, like, what happens when two images hit each other? And so I was making, like, you know, three panel paintings, two panel paintings, um, but here I'm able to bring them onto the same surface and just sort of, I hope, indicate to the viewer that I am trying to say something more by just putting two images in proximity to one another, you know? Yeah, that is clear. That is clear. Um, thanks for sharing that. There's, there's the last two paintings, which, um, I mean, not necessarily the last two that we're discussing in that order, but well wishes four and well wishes five, and these are the most 
to me, minimal paintings in this show, right? Um, neither of them have like what you were talking about, or to me, a kind of Ed Ruscha, uh text over the landscape or narrative over the landscape. Uh, one looks like green clouds, and the other is, um, you know, a, a cloud, a cloudy sky that's that's blue and white. But both of these feel uh, kind of completely off the earth, right? And 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 almost, and and of course without without any reference and without uh, circles in them or, or other things happening. These, um, of course, were the, I think, the most recent, or it was 2021 and 2022, um, mm. also kind of pandemic, I guess you could say, paintings that you were just kind of discussing. With. But these are very different, right? They're, they're beautiful paintings. They're just beautiful to look at, like gazing paintings that feel you know, almost infinite, the way you can move into them. Uh, Though there's a very different narrative in these, right? We're not referencing cartoons or photographs or anything in these, are we? No, no. Yeah, you're right. Um, these are sort of captured. The one on the left is, I think, two or three different skies put together and then sort of worked in Photoshop until, like, really I'm just playing formally, which is very hard for me. It's like a, a very different headspace to be in. And the one on the right was part of a series of four, like three other paintings. There was a set of four that I showed together at a show. And it was really just like playing with color and formal quality, but still, again, like creating fake landscapes. You know, should they be utopic? Do they need to be realistic? Um, yeah. I love that because they're both that. They're both utopic and realistic in here, in, in a sense. We go, I go back and forth between them. This seems you know, like the place I want to be, sort of, in the clouds, but um, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but they're uh, but also the, very awkward. They're also very awkward paintings to me because I'm, I'm used to having more information, sort of overloading, feeling responsible for representational imagery. And so I'm, this is much less than that for me, like quieter, like what I'm saying. Um, so it's a really exciting, quiet series of paintings, which is, which is very weird for me. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, it's beautiful contrast to the rest. Really, really uh, powerful show. I, I want to ask you one more question before we go a little off topic, which is, what are you reading at the moment? At the moment, I am actually, I'm reading the Quran a lot. I am sort of studying it in English. I read it in Arabic growing up, and that's really the only way I know it. So I'm reading it in English for the first time. And how does that feel? Does it seem different? Are you, are you hearing or seeing something different in English? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely seeing something different. Um, it's hard to retain so much information, you know, uh, but... It is a very, um, it's interesting to me because I feel like the Quran is very, very visual, but the religion is not. You know, iconography is sort of a big no-no, visualizing or sort of, um, you know, it's a religion that's very much not into image making, but it's so visually detailed. So it's so interesting to me to sort of come up with the visuals in my head as I go along reading. But also, it's like something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Like, I, wanna, I don't want to absorb the information from anyone else. 
it's like I want to study it myself. So so interesting. I'm going to thank so much for talking with me, and thanks for this show. Um, there's links here so people can go see it. They're hearing it in time. I'm going to thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks. thanks so much. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.